Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke. You can find it in page 957 of your New Testament pew Bible. Listen now for the word of the Lord. After he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you've ever watched the reality TV show, The Amazing Race, let me see your hands. That's pretty good. Twelve teams embark on a journey to 12 international locations. Each leg of the journey is a series of mysteries to be discovered. One might argue it to be biblical. Each pair of contestants must navigate detours and clues and route markers and directions and roadblocks before they reach a pit stop along the way. The teams of contestants are married couples and best friends and parents and children and co-workers. Well, this last season I was particularly interested. There were a pair of flight attendants who knew how to work together. There was one team who were best friends and they loved to show off their muscles. One of them had been wrongly incarcerated for 10 years. A married couple who operated a not-for-profit for, for at-risk kids in New York, they needed some help with their communication skills. A father and daughter from Detroit who could not read a map to save their lives. And then there was a married couple from Raleigh named Penn and Kim Holderness. Penn is the son of a Presbyterian pastor from Durham and they were made famous by a family Christmas jammy video several years ago. They also happened to publish a book on fighting well and staying married. Anyway, the grand prize is $1 million. And I won't spoil it for you, but let's be clear, it is no coincidence that the winning team tends to be very good at following directions and sticking together in good faith with encouragement and ultimately staying focused on the end goal. And let me tell you, sometimes things between the teammates can get real ugly real fast. 
Promises are broken, mistakes are made, there is yelling, there is blaming, there is disappointment, there are tears. And look, I don't judge. I can get lost on a one-way street. I remember my freshman year in college, I convinced my friend Richard Goodpasture to let me and my four girlfriends borrow his car that was a five-speed so we could drive to Raleigh from Wake Forest for a big concert. Google Maps and cell phones were not a thing, which makes me old. We drove around Raleigh for four hours. We never found the big Coliseum. And then we turned around and drove all the way back to Wake Forest, defeated and angry. And the car needed a new transmission. I am still embarrassed to tell that story, but isn't that how it is when we are wandering, wandering around trying to navigate life without all of the answers or wisdom or directions or information? Isn't that how it is for all of us when we know what we want but we're not quite sure how to get there? If the Gospel of Luke were a reality TV show, it would be the amazing race. Beginning in Bethlehem, sent into the wilderness, the Sea of Galilee, healing in Gerasa, back in Galilee, through Samaria, Jesus and his crew of disciples were never lost. But they had turned to Jerusalem ten chapters ago, and they had been heading south ever since. And the whole time, the disciples, they were catching clues and following directions and taking detours and making pit stops and hanging in there for 65 miles from Galilee, which is in the north, all the way down to Jericho. And the whole time, Jesus knew exactly where he was going. Now more than 20 miles, Jericho to the Mount of Olives, they finally begin the last leg of the race. The two disciples receive their next clue from Jesus, and it reads, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say this, The Lord needs it. If you fail to complete this task, you will be eliminated from the journey. Just kidding. I made that part up. Anyway, as Dr. Richard Boyce from Union Seminary recently put it, it was a bit of a fool's errand, if you think about it. And the disciples really didn't have a lot to go on, did they? Head on into Bethany. There you'll see a colt. When you are confronted for stealing it, just say exactly what I tell you. The Lord needs it. And miraculously, it works. In Luke's version of the story, you see, the disciples are team players the entire time. It was the disciples who got the cold. They were the ones who laid their clothes on the animal. They needed no convincing. They were the ones that lifted Jesus up on the animal. They were the ones that threw their cloaks onto the ground. They were the ones that made up the multitude. They were not wishy-washy spectators. They were the ones that called him king and raised their voices in adoration. See, Luke's version of this story is about folks like you and me trying to make it to the next leg of the race, doing the best we can to keep up with Jesus. And so while Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is still controversial, 
Rest assured, up to this point, at least the entire team of disciples are still in the game. And so we catch the colt, we raise our palms, we sing Hosanna with good intent, because as Richard reminds us, it may be a fool's errand, but there is no greater joy than being invited into God's narrative. And there is no greater honor than saying yes when the Lord asks for your help. As far as the disciples knew, yes, he was the Messiah. And yes, Jesus would usher in new leadership, a new regime. And after all, Roman Emperor Tiberius was on the throne. Pontius Pilate was his governor, pressing down on all of Judea. And everything Jesus did and said seemed to point toward revolutionary change. So none of it was a coincidence. It's no coincidence that he sent the disciples into the town of Bethany. It's no coincidence that the word Bethany can be translated as house of the afflicted. It was the poorest of poor villages full of outcasts and lepers. It's no coincidence they found a colt or that they threw their cloaks upon it. This is an explicit quotation from the book of Zechariah down the west side of the Mount of Olives. It is no coincidence that the multitude shouted, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is a direct quote from Psalm 116. It is no coincidence that Jesus entered through the gates of Jerusalem like a king. Pilate would have been making his own triumphal entry through Jerusalem's imperial gate. Metal weapons, banners, gold, drums, legions of soldiers. All the world would see that power. It is not a coincidence. Jesus silenced the Pharisees by mentioning the stones that were beneath their feet. The stones were witnesses to Joshua's grand entry into Jericho all those years ago as the Israelites finally made their way into the Promised Land. So of course, of course the Pharisees would have known that none of this was a coincidence. Nobody new scripture better than the Pharisees. And Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a direct challenge to the powers that be, but perhaps more than that, it was also a fulfillment of a promise. So maybe they were offended by Jesus' royal status as a king, or maybe they were simply trying to avoid a major conflict with the Roman officials. But here's the thing about the Pharisees and the disciples, and they just can't seem to get their heads around it. None of this is by chance, which means God's presence and activity in our lives now is not by chance. They couldn't stop Jesus from processing into Jerusalem, and they couldn't stop God's story of salvation. Well, if they can't stop it, well, then we can't stop it either. God isn't playing a game of chance with my life or your life or this world. God does not make mistakes. God is sovereign and good and incarnationally nearby with us. What does it mean? What does it mean that God intentionally chose a poor, marginalized community on the edge of things? Is it a coincidence that Jesus was born to a brown-skinned teenager? 
Is it a coincidence that Mary and Joseph were not married? Why didn't God pick an established leader in Jerusalem with power and experience and access to relationships within the system? It's not a coincidence. And it is why Jesus' entry into Jerusalem this morning is positively offensive. Of course the Pharisees protest. They are terrified. The disciples are expressing what is ultimately and finally true. As Fred Craddock puts it, some things just simply need to be said. And no matter what, God will provide a witness to God's reign on this earth. The truth will come out no matter what. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, bringing peace and glory. Hosanna in the highest. If we don't shout it, the stones beneath our feet will. It cannot be stopped. These pews, they can be empty for two years. We can turn away from God. We can pretend and ignore and deny. We can avoid God's call on our lives. But you and I both know that Jesus works from the inside out. And if we don't say it and we don't shout it, the stones will. What are you not saying? What are you ignoring? What do you need to shout? Why aren't you on your way right now to that place the Lord is calling you to go? Fear of failure, fear of conflict, fear of exposure or losing something comfortable, fear of rejection maybe. The Lord is calling you into action. And if they ask why, you should just say, the Lord has need of it. Because this last leg of the race is not a theatrical story. This is not a show. The things that will unfold in the coming days are not bad luck or merely happening by chance. They are the sad and then glorious fulfillment of a promise, a covenant, a king, a messiah, a savior. The tomb will be empty, but not before Jesus provokes and endures profound violence and hatred. This violence... It's an outward expression of the inward reality of our sin. And even that is defeated on the cross. Jesus knew where he was going the entire time. But lest we forget, I'm going to remind you briefly. That same evening, Jesus is going to walk a mile and a half back to Bethany for a pit stop with the folks he has loved the most, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He'll get up the next morning, he'll pass a fig tree and curse it on his way to Jerusalem. Inside the courtyard that day, he will overturn the tables of the money changers and accuse the priests of turning the temple into a den of robbers. And the disciples will be with him. Tuesday morning, after passing that dead fig tree, Jesus will spend all day again in the temple courtyard. The authorities will raise suspicion as Jesus raises a larger and larger following and says things like this, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He will offer the greatest commandment to his disciples, love your God with all of your heart and your mind and your soul and your neighbor 
as yourself. Wednesday night, Jesus will be anointed with 300 denarii worth of oils as his devout friend Mary prepares for his death and proclaims his lordship. The disciples will be there that night, and the treasurer, Judas, will turn against Jesus in his heart. Thursday, another set of instructions for another set of disciples. Go to town, find the room, set the table, prepare the meal. From conflict on Tuesday to failure on Thursday, the disciples are in complete disbelief and denial as they start to read the writing on the wall. Maybe we were wrong about this guy. Worse yet, maybe Jesus was wrong. They begin to realize this is indeed no gain or ploy for power. The upper room is not a pit stop. The Garden of Gethsemane is no detour. And by Friday, the disciples have all but quit this race. And it must be said, Jesus is the only one that presses on. The cross is not the million-dollar prize. The cross is a weapon. It is a tool of torture and murder and shame. And Jesus knew where he was going. He knew where he was going when his disciples cried out, Hosanna. He knew when the disciples slept as he prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew when the crowds shouted, crucify him. He knew. Sometimes Jesus calls us into action. Sometimes something just needs to be said. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Wonderful God, we bow before you in gratitude for the life you have given us in Jesus Christ. In him you have shown us that your love has no boundary, that there is no place that you will not go to be with us and for us. As you traveled into Jerusalem long ago, come into our hearts this day. Hear our cries and heal our hurts and hold us close. We pray for our world, your world. We pray for what's happening in Ukraine for refugees and soldiers, for leaders and aid workers, for citizens struggling amongst terror and violence. We pray that your spirit would bring forth peace, peace and righteousness comfort and strength. We pray for those who are sick, for those on the long road of recovery, for those struggling with uncertain diagnosis and seemingly never-ending treatments. We pray for those who mourn, for those who are overcome with grief day by day. We pray for those who wait and watch and pray. We pray for those who are alone, those who are hungry, those who feel as though they have no hope. We pray for the discouraged and the downtrodden, for the, those unable to look beyond the troubles of today. We pray for those facing difficult choices, those weighing many options, those dealing with unclear decisions on life's journey. We pray for those beginning new ventures, trying new things opening oneself up to fresh possibilities. 
O God, as this holiest of weeks unfolds before us, and we retrace the suffering and the death of Jesus and claim once again the promise of resurrection, we pray that you would seal in our hearts the message of these holy days, that in Jesus you are with us and for us in all things, even suffering, even death, and that in Jesus you have overcome every power that would hurt or destroy. Hear us now together as we pray your prayer everywhere with all our siblings, the one that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, with gratitude for God's faithfulness and with thanksgiving for all that we have received, let us now bring our gifts to God.
let us now dedicate our gifts to God. Let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for the great deeds of salvation that you have done and continue to do. Bless these offerings of thanksgiving that they may further your reign in this world. Amen. Thursday, 
We will worship here in the sanctuary at 615. I can't think of a more important place to be than gathered around the Lord's table on that night. Between the hours of 9 and 1 on Friday, the hours that Jesus hung on the cross, the sanctuary will be open for personal reflection and prayer. And then on Saturday, we will celebrate the empty tomb with worship at 8.30 and 10.30. And I hope to see you all there. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Go in peace and serve him. Amen. Yeah.